Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to McKnight Tonight. My guest is one of the nicest people I've ever met, both personally and professionally, although he is a man who divides people. Adored by millions around the world, he's also criticised for the work he does. Most people call him a psychic medium, but I think of him as a Whovian, a man who shares my passion for the TV show Doctor Who. John Edward, welcome to McKnight Tonight. Thank you for having me. I love the song. I love the theme song. It's a good song. Thank you very much. And thank you for coming out to my house all out in the suburbs. You've made the trek out. Thank from you for inviting me. I'm happy to be here. Well, we, I, I'm loving you. I'm loving the fact you're here. My wife will love the fact <laughs> that you're here. I'm not allowed to tell you she's a big fan, but she is. Um, look, we'll, we'll talk about what you do in a moment, but I have to get to the nitty gritty first. Sure. How did you become a Doctor Who fan? I became a Doctor Who fan because there was a producer on Crossing Over who she and I, have, we share like similar tastes in television. She's a huge British television watcher. She right. like literally watches everything that's UK based. And so she was like, I know you love Lost. She's like, I know you love the show Lost. I really think you need to watch Doctor Who. And I'm like, yeah, I don't really have a sci-fi thing. She's like, it's more than sci-fi. She's like, you need to watch it. So she was harassing me for a few seasons while it was on when they did the reboot. Mm-hmm. So then I, I was actually coming here and I thought, you know what? A lot of travel, a lot of flights. Let me download the seasons. So I downloaded the reboot with Christopher Eccleston. Yep. Um, and I really, really, I really enjoyed it. I just thought it was a really good show. Then I didn't get the whole regeneration thing. So when David Tennant showed up, I was like, well, hold on a second. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just getting into the show. And, and I remember her yes. saying to me, just, just go with it. And it was it. I was hooked. I mean, it's the most brilliant way of recasting, right? Yep. Which allows the show to go on for 50 plus years, almost 60 years now. Um, weirdly, I thought, I assumed you'd been a fan for a longer time. No. You, since you've gotten into it. You know a lot about it. We've yeah. had big discussions about Doctor Who. So, yeah, I'm really surprised. Have you seen any, any of the classic series? I've seen a couple of episodes, um, but I, I, didn't, I didn't really get pulled to those. Yeah. So I, I, I loved the humanity of it, even mm-hmm. though it's about sci-fi. Yeah. So for me, anything that shows human connection and lessons, humanity, and I think that is what that show is teaching about. It's talking about other worlds in a sci-fi alienistic way but it's really getting people to look at how are you an alien in your own life you know if you could time travel to any period of time the 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 rose episode where she goes back to the church with her dad Mm -hmm. you know and she has that that moment 
Um, and then up until the latest one, where the the, the in the new iteration with Jodie Whittaker, where where Yaz goes back, where Yaz go back and she meets the the backstory for grandmother. Because I think we all wonder from whence we came, and you know, if I can go back and see my grandmother, you know, meet my grandfather, who had eleven kids, and then who had all that. Like everybody's got a story, so I think Doctor Who explores stories of the universe, but really has heart. It's really interesting how it ties back to what you do in a way. Um, what do you think of Jodie Whittaker? I, I was not really happy that they cast her when I heard because I've watched her in Broadchurch. Mm-hmm. And she, because of the character she played in Broadchurch, was so serious. And I was like, uh, you know, I had that David Tennant moment when he showed up. I was like, uh, and now I, I love her. Yeah. Like, I really feel like she's got that same kind of energy that the 10th Doctor brought to it. And I like it. I, I, think, I love the fact that it's a female Doctor. My daughter is in... Doctor Who heaven right now. Well, it's it's funny. As a long-term Doctor Who fan, someone asked me like six or seven years ago whether um, I could ever see the Doctor being female. And I was like, absolutely not, you know, because it had never been set up to be that he could be a woman. Right. Um, but I think they've done a great job in the last few years of setting up the canon that Time Lords can change gender. Right. So when it came, you know, we had the Master turning to Missy. So when that time came, I think they did an absolutely brilliant job of getting people like me on board that I don't question it at all now. You right. know, Whereas if they had done it five or six years ago, it just would have come out of nowhere and... I don't know that I would have accepted it because, you know, we place these gender roles on people and even sure. the doctor was always a man. But I think they've been very clever in in the way they've written it to allow us to accept, uh, to suspend our disbelief on that. Right. And it it's something that I feel like it's more personality driven for me. Yes. Like I... I I think Matt Smith was a great doctor, and I think he was a. I think he's a great actor, but he wasn't my favorite doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, the personality of it felt yep. like it was a little bit too much sometimes. Mm-hmm. Where I I like the moments where there could be a little bit of dark, and a little bit of intrigue, with a whole lot of heart because he's got two. She's got two now, right? <laughs> right. So it's like I, I I like to see the the depth of it because you have to believe that if someone's been around for as many universe periods of time that they've been around they've they've seen so much they, that gravitas has to come out absolutely no matter who's playing it I, I couldn't agree more so i like the journey i like what they're doing that's fabulous um i don't like the music though oh see i actually i the 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 incidental music in the current series i am a big fan of maybe not so much the opener but um i i think it's gone on a very interesting direction so I find that um, I go back to conversations when I was doing Crossing Over. I wanted to learn about the different aspects of production in the studios and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just listening to people talk and the executive producer talked about music. And I said, well, what do you mean by music? And he goes, music should not be something that you notice or get distracted by. He goes, That's if you, true. He goes, if you notice it or get distracted by it, he's like, then, then there's, there, there's an issue. And then he would like, you know, if, we, if they were like, you know, we were on a, you know, watching a morning show in the States, he would say something like when like a band would come on, because he produced morning television, like, just like you. Uh, when a band <laughs> would come on, he'd be like, do you hear that? And I'd be like, what? He goes, that's the sound of remotes changing the channel right now. <laughs> so, I think I'd like this. Yeah, uh, you, totally, you, would totally, you would totally like him. So uh, for me, I, I've always now recognized, like, I loved the previous scores, and I kind of felt that that could be the one constant 
that mm-hmm. unites all of the doctors. Which has been up until this point. Yeah, so I, I, I kind of noticed the music enough to look up and be like, did they change composers? So, yeah, that was just me. Like, I'm, I was a huge fan of the Matt Smith era music. Mm-hmm. Um, now, this is something we've never spoken about. Um, but I'm actually not a spiritual person. Okay. Um, in fact, I've never actually believed in an afterlife. But I have to say, seeing what you do has actually made me question that. Good. Um, see, I've, I've watched you call on people and the things you've told them are things no one could have known. And I've worked with you very right. closely a number sure. of times now. Um, and I wondered, I, I built up a theory in my head because I'm trying, you know, like I sit there trying to process it. Okay, uh, is, it, is it spirituality? Is it an afterlife? And then I thought, maybe it's telepathy, you know, because I, I did think, well, when we were cavemen, before we invented language, surely on some level we were telepathic. And I, I wondered whether telepathy could possibly play any part in what you do. Not in the way that you're saying it. Mm-hmm. The communication between a non-physical entity and a medium like myself, or actually anybody, right, when grandma's coming through to whomever, mm-hmm. is a telepathic exercise. I mean, that's a, it's technically what you would, you would call it. It's, a, it's an energetic exchange where people are communicating. What you're saying is like, would it be the reading of someone's mind? So when I was at the University of Arizona, myself and a number of the people participated in a study where the scientists wanted to say, they wanted to see, was it telepathy? Uh-huh. Were we reading facial cues? Was it verbal intonation and body language? So they put us through double blind and triple blind studies. And for the people who are interested in the science, you can read it. It's called The Afterlife Experiments. It's written by Dr. Gary Schwartz. Um, but they would do like stuff like they would bring one person in. So like there'd be a, a seat next to us. A, a, like a divided partition and then that person wasn't allowed to speak they could only say yes or no then they would replicate and extend the data and the second time we went back is they would put the person behind us and they called it the silent sitter experiment which meant that the person the medium had to read and the person wasn't allowed to say anything for the first 10 minutes and then after the 10 minutes the sitter can then actually validate what made sense or not the third time I went they had to replicate and extend the data again. They did that again, except now they did it behind a partition. So we had the silence set apart for the first 10 minutes. Then the client wasn't allowed to speak at all. A scientific moderator would say yes or no for the person. Really? Yes, because they wanted to rule out male, female. They were like making sure. And one of my favorite... But they were doing what scientists do. Yeah, they were doing science, right? So one of my favorite, favorite moments is this other woman, Suzanne, was one of the mediums that was being tested with us. And... Um, they had gotten a gamma radiation detection machine. They wanted to actually, like, you know, so you're watching a bunch of, like, kind of like science geeky guys, right? <laughs> or like science. They had to program the room for two hours. Like, I think it was like two hours before. Wow. The room that she was going to be doing, doing, doing the reading in. So they go in. They have to detect all the normal particle energy that's in the room. And I remember it being like a $4,000 piece of equipment because they kept saying, like, this is $4,000. Like, <laughs> this is $4,000. So then everything had to be done at a specific time. So it's like at like 5 p.m., we, we all had to start reading. And then we'd read for 20, 20 minutes, and then we're going to switch people. Well, at 5 p.m., we all started. But at 5 p.m., when Suzanne opened her energy up to read, she blew out the video camera, and she blew out the, the gamma no. radiate. Yes. If you want to see a bunch of science people flip out like somebody broke their toy, it was <laughs> the funniest, funniest moment because they were like, oh, my God, like, like, what, like, what did you do? Like that? And she was like, like, she's looking at me like, uh, I, 
I did a reading. Like all I did was like do a reading. She blew out the machine. So science, um, energy wise, you know, there was an exchange of energy. So that machine went, the AV thing went, the video stuff goes. It's not, that's why when I did crossing over, I always was double mic'd. I always made them double, double mic pad. That's why on the show I made them double mic me because I blow out the packs. It's interesting. Um, you always have to be careful about the um, perception. I remember one time I wanted to put it, when I was doing Studio 10 and you came on board, to, Studio 10 is a morning TV show in Australia, um, I wanted to put an earpiece on you yep. because I, I wanted to give you instructions about I need, whether I needed to, you to move over or what, yep. how we were going for time. And you said, can I please not wear this earpiece? Yep. And I was like, why? And you said... Because then people could people would think that you're actually giving me information. Yes. And I didn't know the co-hosts, right? Not like if if we were doing a show together now, I would trust you in that way to say okay. Um, and I knew that I wasn't doing live callers where yes. I was going to need to hear somebody. Yeah. So I felt like you know what? I think it's really important for people to know for you as the executive producer, just for this reason alone, you mm. could actually say he never would let me put an IFB in. Yeah. Like he. Unless I was doing a live television show or a radio show, I wouldn't want that. Well, that's the interesting thing. People are, you you know, you do get criticized. There's something about the idea of communicating with the afterlife that really offends people. When challenges, well, here's the the funny part. I challenge them. Like the way that I do it seems to be challenging because in the years of me doing this, there have been other people here as well in in, in this country and and all around the world, right, where people have had a rise to fame on television Mm -hmm. doing psychic work. Those people don't get attacked. They do not get attacked in the exact same way that I've been attacked. What is it about what you do? Um, Well, I asked that of someone. I asked that of Dr. Phil when I was doing his show. I'm like, you're a TV, you know, guy. I said, you're you're also, you know, a psychologist. I go, why? And he goes, these people are caricatures. He goes, and you come across with like, you're serious. He's like, so Uh. I'm going to, I'm not going to attack the clown guy. I'm going to attack the guy that's serious. And I was like, so it's a good thing? Like... Because, I, I mean, there was one show that was brought on television in the States, and there was an entire announcement in the trades all about the announcement of the show attacking me and then giving the, like, you know, giving the information about the show. I was like, wait a second, why are we kicking the old dog? Yeah. Because <laughs> there's a new puppy in the house. <laughs> I'm like, leave me be. I'm not even, like, I'm just over here doing my job. Yeah. Like. But, but. It was interesting. Every time we would have you on the show, a small number of people. I mean, the outpouring of love for you, it, it's huge. So let me say that before I go to the next. And I appreciate that. that that's know. cool. Um, which is why I always got you back on the show, not only because we developed a, a friendship, but, um, you know, people loved seeing you on that show. But there would be a very small minority who would not only verbalize their displeasure, would get angry about the fact, and I always thought, you don't have to watch this. But it was more than that. They, they, they really thought we were absolutely in the wrong having you on, you right. know, because they do use words like charlatan and all this kind of sure. stuff. And it's interesting that we've just had this conversation about the scientific research because your the great thing is now you can say just go and read the research, you and, know. Because and do you they, know what they say? They'll turn around and say, "Well, that's the that's the same." T-. Then they attack the science. They they attack the science of it. Because they, those folks, whenever I do an event, I, I'll say stuff like, you know, right about over here, there's a balcony. In the balcony, I imagine the two old guys from the Muppets. <laughs> Waldorf and Statler. Statler. Right. <laughs> but in my version, it's cynicism and skepticism. Right. So cynicism, I have no time for. Yeah. If someone's going to be that cynical, like, I'm not even going to waste my time. Yeah. But if someone's skeptical, I think that's important. Mm. That, that you can have a conversation with somebody who's skeptical. They're not looking to attack you. 
the cynical person wants to attack you. I did an event in Pasadena, California, and if you've ever come to L.A., you'll know that the traffic in L.A. is ridiculous. <laughs> I like, think anyone who hasn't been to L.A. knows that. Absolutely insane. Being a New Yorker and being in L.A., it's like, you know, it's like, oh, I have to go three miles, leave two hours early. Like, <laughs> no joke. So Crazy. I was actually sitting in traffic late for one of my events. And my cousin who runs my events, I said to her, I called her, I said, listen, I go, I'm, I'm going to be late. I'm really sorry. I said, I, I should have left earlier and I did not. And she said, that's okay. We're running a little late here too. Now she's pretty buttoned up mm-hmm. and there was something in her energy that felt concerned. So I said, what's going on? And she goes, you have protesters here. So I go, I have protesters. I go, what do you mean I have protesters? She goes, you have protesters here. I go like like two people across the street with a sign like, you know, Jesus hates you type of protesters or, you know, like you're a freak and a fraud, like which kind of she's like, how about you have like well over 20 people? They've got like neon signs, bullhorns, cameras, like they're berating everybody that's coming in. They're giving them pamphlets and all this other kind of stuff. And I got really, really quiet. And she said to me, she goes, I probably shouldn't have told you that I'm going to upset you for the event. And I went. No, I said, I am actually just feeling pretty relevant right now. I said, <laughs> I go, you know the, I go, do you know the organization that has to go into something mm. like that? I said, can you send them pizza? And she was like, what? That's I go, right. can you send them pizza? I said, because, you know, you probably burn a lot of calories protesting. I said, and I, I want to make sure they're nourished. I go, send them pizza and water. She's like, I am not sending them pizza. <laughs> She's like, they're making my, my night a living hell right now. So I do the event. And during the course of the event, I had said something to the effect of, you know, I only wish people that were outside protesting were actually in the, in the room to objectively watch what's mm. taking place. So the event's over, and I'm doing photos. And a woman walks up, and she says to me, um, I'm from the outside. And I looked at her, and I said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, what? And she goes, you invited me. Thank you. And I... Now I'm thinking she's maybe from the media and I gave somebody tickets at a radio station yeah. and my mind's going completely blank. And I'm like, I'm sorry, where do I know you from? And she's like, no, 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 no. I'm with the protesters from outside. I actually bought a ticket and came in. So now I get really excited. That's so amazing. So I pulled her in, right? I pull her in. We take a photo, right? And I'm like pointing to her. And I'm like, thank you so much for being here. I said, I host an online show called Evolve. I'd like you to come on and talk about your experience. Would you do that? And she said, no, no, no. I don't, I don't think I can do that. I said... I said, you don't have to be on camera if you don't want. I said, we could just do like a podcast. And she said, no. She's like, I can get you somebody from outside who's better trained with the media at being a skeptic. And I looked at her and I went, but I don't want a media trained skeptic. I want somebody who made a sign, stood outside, sat through a two and a half hour event, watched all these people get read, heard their validations, where you can go now talk to any one of these people and realize that they're real. And have that conversation. And she repeated it again to me. She said, no, I'm not trained enough yet at being part of the skeptic society. And she then just kind of like sauntered away. And I looked at like Katrina who's standing there and I went, that scares me. Yeah. I said, because that's the type of person that could actually strap a bomb onto themselves and walk into an abortion Because that's not free will. That's not free will. Like you just had an experience. Like she could not process what she witnessed. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I do. That 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 made it. It actually unnerved me. And it's it's one of those things. As I said, you know, I, I haven't had a belief system, but I think you have to be open to everything. My wife and her family are very much in line with what you do, and my sister and my mother. There, there's so many people in my life that um, 
like you and are drawn to what you do on on that level and and sort of have that belief system and it's interesting that i'm drawn to amanda you know who even though i'm i'm sort of all over the place with right. not really knowing what i believe um but i think you have to be open to it and but i've you, seen right you explore it yeah and i've seen enough with you to seriously question what might be there I still don't know the answers, of course, right. you know, and I'm not going to uh, sit here and pretend with you that I do. Right. Um, and I also know you would want me to do that. Not even a little bit. Um, One of my favorite things was after Crossing Over was off the air, all the producers and I were, sat, were hanging, hanging around and talking. And so with this one producer, her name is Allison, all of the other producers were like, okay, Allison, the show's done. Now, now do you finally believe after like four <laughs> seasons, right? And she's like, listen, she's like, I just can't go to the place of, yes, I believe there's an afterlife. She's like, now, can I explain what I had to produce? Can I explain how he got this? She goes on, for no joke, we were all like 15 minutes, 20 minutes. She goes on to this 20-minute explanation of how she can't commit to believing. I wish I had that 20 minutes on tape. It was the best explanation of what I do and a a compliment it was so awesome because she couldn't put it in a box yes and as a producer she wanted to give it a beginning a middle and an end and tidy it up nicely and she couldn't so she had to say like I don't understand she was like I'll say you got something going on because I'm there I watched it she's like but I can't explain it yeah she's like but you can't she's like but at the same token she's like you guys can't Force me to, you know, believe that it's it's an afterlife. So it was a great conversation that I actually wish was taped for the show. Well, and because I think it sums up where a lot of people come because it's, it's real. It's a real it's conversation. Absolutely. I because on the flip side, I've met people who believe in God, and you know, during discussions with them, they've said, "But if you don't, how can you be a moral person? How can?" And and how could I live my life not knowing there was something else afterwards? And and that idea of I can only behave on Earth, be knowing that I'm going to get rewarded in the in the afterlife. Right. See, and, I I grew up as a questioner of everything. Yes. So like when I was a kid, they one of my aunts would say to me like all the time, like, why do we ever teach you how to speak? Because all <laughs> I all I did was question. But why? But why? But why? And when something didn't make sense for me. Like, it was one of those things where I'd be like, yeah, but that doesn't make sense. Yeah. And I was thrown out of, like, religious instructions on three separate occasions because I asked questions that were deemed blasphemous or inappropriate. They thought I was trying to be, like, a disruptor. That's a cheap get out, isn't it? You they know, like, being if, a, if you're I, challenged, we throw you out. I was going to, yeah, I was being a disruptor. My mom had to write a, a letter so I could make my confirmation. It's like, you know, to, you know, she'll keep me in line type of thing. Because I asked questions that were, I thought, logical, mm. right? So I've come to the place where, even though I've come from a Catholic background, I look at it as maybe I'm, I'm, I'm Catholic in my historical belief, and it helped to shape my philosophy, but I like science. Yeah. So science and religion, you know, for a lot of places, are, are at odds. So like, I'm not willing to suspend my, like, my life and my choices to, to some you know, old man in a beard, you know what I'm saying? Kind of, <laughs> kind of a thing. Yes. So I look at it as, you know, I think I'm more of a, of a deist where I believe that there's a God and this divine force. And we're all part of that. 
and this year alone, last year, I was driving in Texas, and while I was driving, um, it was a beautiful, beautiful sunset. It's one of the hottest nights I, 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 on, on record for me in Texas, and the sun was just beautiful, like the colors in the sky. And I just thought about like how be- beautiful the universe is. Mm. And in that moment, my guide said to me, "Science is the true religion for God." And I'm like, "Okay, well, what do I do with that? <laughs> and like, what does that mean, right? You know?" So like, all the questions start going. But I think like when you look at the what is it, Occam's razor, and all the like, all the, the different things that you know the unit, how the measurements of certain things. Yeah. Like I think that's divine, right? So I think that the way that's physically designed and divine, I think the metaphysical part of what I'm able to tap into is like that. And that there's an act, there's like an, like an accent or like a reflection in some way. So I always look at the physical and the metaphysical and trying to figure out what is it that we're supposed to learn from. And every event somebody says to me, what's the afterlife like? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, I have no idea. And they look at me perplexed, like they're disappointed. Like, well, why don't you know? I'm like, guys, and I use Australia all the time as the example. I'll say, I've been to Australia you know, over the last 15 years a lot. I go, I can tell you what I've seen. I can tell you where I've gone. I can tell you who I've met. I can tell you where I've eaten. I can tell you what I've done. I go, but I can't write the history book of Australia. Mm. I go, and I can't write a tour book to Australia. I said, that would be like arrogant. I said, so I could give you my little glimpse of Australia with my lens. I said, that's what I feel like I can do with what I do. I can give you my glimpse of what I've experienced through my lens. Yeah. That's it. Coming up on McKnight Tonight, why John Edward doesn't believe in ghosts, why spirits sometimes seem vague, and some amazing stories of what happened behind the scenes when TV appearances didn't go to plan. McKnight Tonight, we'll be right back. 
going outside and smelling a flower, right? Something that's got like a floral scent to it, yeah. which is natural and subtle and beautiful. And going and get a perfume bottle and spraying it. TV's the perfume. <laughs> and the natural. <laughs> that's so true. You know what I'm saying? The natural part of it yeah. is the, the outside. But when you're outside, you don't always smell the flower. Yeah. Sometimes you have to actively walk over to it and in order to take, to, you know, smell the essence of it. So you mentioned good and bad ghosts there, but with spirit, is there good and bad spirit or is it all just positive? I think it's all energy. And I think that energy could be positive and negative. I'm more concerned about negative energy in the physical world with Mm. humans more than I am with anything in the afterlife, to be honest. There's a lot of negative energy here. Yeah. No, there's, I think people, you know, people hold guns. People, people fly planes into buildings. Yeah. People put kids in cages, you know, yeah. in countries like mine. You know what I'm saying? Like that, that to me is not, that's not human. That's, that's, that's negative. That's, that's dark. Yeah. You know, you can come up with whatever rules you want to come up for. And, but. Mm. When, when you're communicating with the other side, uh, from what I've heard you say, I, I get the feeling it's not like we're having a conversation here. Right. But it's not like having a conversation. It is like having a conversation. Oh, it is. But not like this. Right. So it's not like verbal like this. It's two, we, we're two physical bodies. We're two instruments, right? Yeah. You're a piano and I'm a piano. And we're, we're making the keys happen and the music happens. Yeah. Right? Vibration. Without a physical body, no physical body, no ability to make that same sound. So you can't have that kind of conversation. I always go back to this producer from an early show I did. His name is Brendan. And at the end of the show, he's like, dude. It's one of my favorite stories. He goes, dude, he's like, why has it always got to be, there's a man, there's a male here. He's above you. He's older. There's blackness in his chest. There's a J name. He goes, why can't he just say, I'm his dad, John, and I have blood cancer. <laughs> so I laughed, but I knew he wasn't, he wasn't asking to kind of be an ass. Yeah. He, was, he was asking professionally slash personally. Yeah. So I said, well, Brendan, I go, um, they do communicate like that. He goes, no, he goes, it's very cryptic. I said, well, let me ask you a question. How do deaf people communicate? And he looked at me and he goes, what? I go, how do deaf people communicate? He goes, sign language. I go, why don't they just talk? <laughs> and he like looked at me like, like, like I was like so politically incorrect by saying that. <laughs> He's like, because they can't. They're, mm-hmm. they're deaf. And I went, right. And these people are technically, quote unquote, dead. I said, so it's coming through in the same way, symbolically. I go, it's the interpretation that can get lost whether it's me who's doing the interpreting or them coming through directly to you in a dream or with parallels or patterns, people can sometimes err on the side of negative rather than, hey, grandma's here, you know, mom's around, that's, mm. that type of thing. You mentioned your guide. How important does your guide play in the decisions you make in your life? Everything for me is pretty much bounced off of that team. I think we all have a team of energies, so I feel like I'm always bouncing that off of that, like that Almost like a, like I'm kind of sending it up to the cloud, kind of waiting to see like how it feels. Right. I like to come from a place of, of balance. And I like to come from a place of feeling like, okay, this feels right. But it's not like I'm making a decision based upon them. Mm-hmm. I'm owning it. That's my yeah. choice. You know what I'm saying? Like when I decide. But I'm that same person that comes from the Italian family that when my grandmother says, you have to do this with your uncle because it's blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, I'm not inviting them because I don't like them. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah, right. I'm going to own that in the same way. But she would be a guide here. So I'm, I go by what feels right for me. 
And is this something we all have, yep. but maybe we're not tuning into it? That's what I say at almost all my events. You all have a team of energies. And I use them like, I use TV a lot because if people can understand it. I say, when you watch a TV show and you see the host of them on the show, I go, you don't realize. I go, there's a team of people that you don't ever see in the control room mm. who's the backbone of what you're watching. I said, so you see me, and here I am in front of the camera, right? Or I'm standing in front of you. I go, but what you don't realize is that I have a team of energies that are coming through for me, that are giving me information for you. I said, but here's the good news. You all have that same team. So you just got to plug into the fact that you have your own producers that are there to give you insights and guidance, but they can't do it for you. When you meet uh, another psychic medium, do you know straight away if they're genuine? I've got to say, I've met some that are bullshit artists. Um, not you. I, I never thought that about you, but there have been some psychics we've had on the show right. that just smelled of bullshit. Yeah. So here's the problem. I, I, I think that there are a lot of people who have ability, mm-hmm. but what really comes out is their ego. So what you, ah, what that's you, interesting. what you're hitting is you're hitting their ego and it's kind of scary because people could use their ego. I'm sorry. They could use their ability. I want to say this the right way. I was told by a um, a British medium, his name is Robert Brown, and he said it best. He said, some people use their ability and become known. He goes, some people use their ability to become known. Yes. Yes. And that I, makes sense. Yeah, like, I've always come from the place of, like, I've, I never had an interest in being famous. Yeah. I never had an interest in being known. I don't, it's kind of lost on me. Like, you, you don't walk around like a star. You know, like you turn up, you're a regular guy, you know, um, you're here by yourself out in the suburbs, you know, um, you don't have a team around you. Well, I Um, do, you just can't see them. (laughs) (laughs) Good point. Um, So, yeah, that to me makes perfect sense, whereas one of the the people I'm talking about would have the team around them, the physical team around them. Does that yeah. make sense? I've seen it. I, yeah. I mean, I've, I've seen it. I mean, I, I was in another country doing this, and some of, the, some of the things that I noticed that every time I got to a venue, the backstage people, like the guys that worked in the theaters, that have, the, the venues I was working at, they were not nice. They were like just kind of um, like averting eyes. Like it was just weird. So it became event after event, I noticed it. So then I, I wanted to make sure like, like, the people I was working with, like my husband didn't say like, don't talk to me before the event mm-hmm. or like, you know, I don't want there to be any type of that. And I usually walk in three minutes before anyway. So I was like, are you saying anything? And I said, cause everybody's kind of being weird. And she's like, I'm not saying anything. She goes, I come in and I, she's like, I make sure that the, you know, the audio is like working fine. She goes, and then when, you know, it's time for you to come two hours later, she's like, you show up. I said, but then after the event, it's completely different. I go after the event, I feel like I'm doing another after event because the people that work at the venue have a ton of questions. <laughs> so I go, it's weird. Is it, it was, a professional courtesy? It was, that's what I, th- I was trying to figure out what it was. So I think we were in Dublin, that we were in Dublin and she goes, Oh, I have an answer for you. So I said, what happened? So she brings the stage manager over. She goes and tell him. So he goes to be truthful. He goes, really not a big fan of the subject matter. We've had, I forgot the word he used, like your ilk, your likes, your whatever come through before. He's like, and there were like lighting cues, there were music cues. Ah, there were like all these. It was a things. show. It was a show. He goes, "You guys came in like this, like just the two of you." She showed up two hours earlier. You walked in two minutes before, and then you read people. You know, it's like 
and it was very different from what we experienced in the past. I'm like, well, explain that to me. And he's like, well, you didn't do voices. I'm like, mm. voices? I'm like, what do you mean voices? And he's like, well, this one person would come out on stage and would say um, in a childlike voice, you know, mommy, mommy, I'm looking for my mommy. Can someone help me find my mommy? And Rob, I literally turned like bright red and he like looked at me and I go, I would be arrested if I was in that theater. <laughs> and they were like, what? I said, I, if I was sitting in a theater and I went to go watch somebody do this work and I watched somebody do that, I would be worse than the, the worst critic for, for me because I would be like, this is a bunch of BS. Yeah. Like, and how, di- like, how dare you? Like, yeah. I, I would be thrown out because I would, I, wouldn't, I would not be able to sit back and not say something because to me, I don't think there's, any, there's no need for it to be a show. Like no. it, it, we're talking about people who've passed. Yeah. So if you find it entertaining, great. But like, I, I say it all the time. Like people come in with this whole need for this emotional experience, and I and I have to let them know. Like, listen, you might leave here being red, and no longer be a fan of mine because you might not like how I talk mm. to you. Like, and I'm down with that. Like, it's okay if you got to go, you got to go, but go with the information. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't care if you like me, but like, go with the information. So yeah, I I get what you're saying. I've seen it. Um, it's very disturbing for me to watch but I think again when you point a camera at somebody it turns it into something that's not real let's talk about um, you used to come to Studio 10 a lot and uh, we would we would shoot it and uh, we got great television and and you know um, but one time you came and we had moved studios <laughs> <laughs> and we were in a studio anymore yes. we were out in an open area and uh, we were talking about it just before this record that you had a mini meltdown, not, yeah. not in a devil kind of no, way. No, no, like in a Rain Man. Worried. Yeah, Rain Man kind of way. So a lot of folks know that I'm, I'm pretty OCD with how I, how I am and how I do stuff. And I kind of have a, a certain process. Like when I read for people, I always jokingly say, even though they just want to know that their mom's with them and loves them, I have my ways. Like I have to kind of let it kind of come through. So yes. If you know anybody who's like OCD or has a specific way of doing something, then you'll understand that. And then jokingly, an astrologer said, well, you're talking about most Virgos anyway when you say that. So <laughs> if you're a Virgo, then you might, you might get it. But the reality is I, I knew the show. I knew the studio. Yes. I knew the hosts. I felt like it was like a home for me. Yes. You know, like I've done it a number of times. So there was nothing that would feel unsafe. I could just focus and do my work. Yeah. So... We came in, and all of a sudden, when I left the makeup room, and when they brought me to the set, you guys had moved the studio out of the actual studio that we were in. Yes. And it was like, it felt like in the lobby area of like the newsroom. It literally was. It okay. was in this open area. With like three levels. Yes. And that meant that behind the studio walls, there were people working at their desks. Mm-hmm. And then above, you have people working at their desks. Yes. And people standing watching the show being taped, and then yes. the opening, plus an audience. So, yeah, I had a little mini meltdown. Like, I had <laughs> this explain moment. Explain to us why. The reason why is that I don't have the ability just to focus on, like, say, let's say the audience. Mm-hmm. So you would have said, you know, here's the audience, read for them. Well, the moment I open up, anybody who's around me, I can read. Yeah. So energetically, I can literally get pulled to anybody that's there. And, I, and, and it happened. Like, you made sure everybody around the area knew. And I wound up reading for people that were on the steps. Yes. And then I wound up reading for somebody that was in an office who wouldn't come down. Yeah, that and, and that was an interesting part too because um, 
yes, you ended up reading uh, for someone that was at a desk up on one of the higher levels and everyone was watching the feed and we, we started getting word and, and you the thing is you can't move on. I get stuck. And um, we're trying to find out who it is because you've explained this to me before mm-hmm. and, and in a previous episode of Studio 10, you were trying to find it and, and people do try and fit into what you're saying. You see that even though yep. you say I, I don't know, do I that. always say if I wanted to be right at every event that I do, I could be 100% right. I don't want to be right. I want to be accurate. Yes. There's a difference. I want to yes. be accurate. Yes. And um, well, in one of the earlier episodes, we literally were going and going and then got word that everything you were saying related to a makeup lady who was downstairs. And she ended up coming up and getting a reading. And that episode was very frustrating because it was the first time I think you came and producers that worked on the show were all scattered throughout the audience because they all wanted to see it and we I didn't think anything of it and of course you ended up reading a lot of them and I you know I was concerned about it looking like planting you right. know and we had on the show we were open and honest about the fact these are producers who were just yep. wanting to watch But I obviously, after that, made the rule, no producers, no one who works on the show in the audience. But on this occasion, when we were in the open studio, you had gotten up to that level. Um, She didn't want to be on camera. I tried to negotiate. Can you just talk to him privately? Because I know you and I know that you can't move on. And, you know, there's all those time pressures of recording and everything else. And live TV. Uh, Well, no, we were pre-recording. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. but, but you, you were, you were, yeah, I'm sorry. No, go on. You, you were great though, because you, you put me at ease. Like I've said, i said this earlier, like if it was a different place, I don't know if I would have done it Yeah. because I, 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 I didn't feel safe. I, I wouldn't have felt safe, but I felt safe with you guys. Like I felt safe. Like well, I you, take that as a great compliment. And, and, and I, I, yeah, seriously, I did. I, I, I felt safe, but it was funny because I, I tell that story when I go around, I was like, <laughs> I had this moment of like, here's the executives of the show, like looking at me like, it's going to be okay. <laughs> Like it's going to be okay. <laughs> but I knew you well enough to know that you don't cause problems. So for you to speak up and say something, I, I knew straight yeah, I wasn't, away. Yeah, was I wasn't sure I was going to be able to do it. Like I knew I could read, but I wasn't sure it was going to be what you would need yes. for the show. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's different if it was... Although I was kind of... When it ended up being people on the balcony, I, I actually always thought, oh, that's good TV, that's fine. But if, if I was to do it again, obviously knowing the issues... We'd book out the actual studio and we'd do it in there as a special event. Um, so it, it's interesting how it works, though, because it, it did take time because she wouldn't validate for you. It took some time to move on and we yep. started doing a Q&A to just give you that breathing space to be able to get back into the room. It was, it was quite a fascinating process. That's, I only know that from doing Crossing Over. When I was, reading, right. I was doing Crossing Over, I wound up um, getting stuck for an extended period of time. When I say, like... Rob, like over 45 minutes in one section of the studio where like you could just you could just feel like not only not only did the audience want to be like, dude, shut (laughs) up, like the audience themselves, like just had that moment of like move on. But it was it just wouldn't stop. So then finally, one of the production assistants went behind the actual audience and there was a door. And at that door was the it was an alley that went to where we all parked our cars. There were two police officers and the parking attendant manager was standing there. And he said, do either you guys or do, do you, does this make sense? So now I want you to imagine here I am standing in the studio <laughs> delivering the information over the PA. The executive producer comes on and he says, John, we figured out what it is that you're getting. 
Now, in my mind, I'm like, how could they figure out what I'm getting when I don't even know what I'm getting? <laughs> and I'm reading the people over here in the audience, and they bring this guy Basil on, right? So the parking, the guy who parked my car, like, walks into the studio, and I'm like, now, now, my complete level of skepticism and distrust goes up, right? Because this was early on in Crossing Over, and I don't want them to think, like, they're going to be able to, like, just make something fit. Ah, right. You know, yeah. for, like, yeah. you know, for a moment. So I said... They said, tell, tell Basil what it is that you're getting. So I went, no. I go, Basil, you tell me what they told you that makes you think that what I'm getting is for you. So now he starts recounting thing after thing after thing. And there were like two things that he didn't say, but the audience, because they heard me for like 45 minutes, they were like, well, what about the bicycle? And then he, he, they brought up, he brought up the story with the bicycle, and then they were like, what about this? And, they, and I'm like, yeah, what about that? You know? <laughs> And everything that I was getting was this guy Basil's brother who came through because he was standing where I was pointing. Now, if it wasn't for that PA that day to open that door, smart person, smart person. If it wasn't for him, I I don't know where that that would have looked. That would have been a really bad, really bad experience because people would have left there going like, "This guy can't do this." Yeah. But instead, it turned out to be like, "Holy crap!" Like that was intense. And it was. It was a very, very intense experience. That's what we had with the makeup person. It was very intense. And that night when I went to get the car, the guy looked at me and he just like, he goes, I don't even know what to say to you. And he just like hugged me. He goes, thank you. I'm like, you're you're welcome. And like, I'm driving home that night and thinking like, oh my God, like there's a supermarket next door to the studio. Like, is like, (laughs) like, are they going to be running into the supermarket? Yeah. And I just remember thinking like, that's not cool, guys. Like, we got to keep it like here. Like, it's not going to be helpful. When you say guys, who are you referring to? Yeah. Yeah. The team. Yeah. Not the people. Not the physical yeah. people. Not the, not the physical yeah. people. No. The spirit. Yeah. The people that, that would like, would have, you know, it was really, it was a tough, that was a, that was, that was a tough one. But because of that, I know the potentiality of what can happen when I open up. Yes. So if I'm doing a reading in a, at a show, like I have to tell the people, like I have to let them know, I like, go, oh, here's how I work. Yeah. You know, I've been invited to do in the last 12 years, like a number of television, new TV projects. And I have to turn most of them down because they're all contrived. They're like not something that the way I work would, would fit in. Yeah. And they're like, oh, no, no. Well, it's just, I'm like, no, no, no. Well, not just. I'm like, you know, so that's not how I, no, I work. No, you're all very straight up and down about no BS. Right. I, and I've been doing this for 34 years. Yeah. And I can say that I've been doing this for 34 years and I could still do this all around the world. Um, John, there is plenty to talk to you about. Um, I think we need to do a part two. Will you stick around? Absolutely. Thank you. In the next edition of McKnight Tonight, did John Edward channel Princess Diana? I find out what really happened when John read Paul Burrell, Diana's butler, on national television. It's good night from McKnight Tonight. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.